Hello everyone and welcome to the March 8th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foltz with Floyd, Skarin and Kelly. Let's get started with our report from the Court of Appeal. SEGA prevailed in a reimbursement case brought by the City of Laguna Beach in the Court of Appeal this week. Here's what happened. The City of Laguna Beach bought policies of excess insurance from Continental Casualty Company and then Reliance National Indemnity between 1998 and 2001. The policies were to provide protection above the $275,000 self-insured retention. A city employee filed a work comp claim for cumulative injury between 1986 and June 1999. The city incurred workers' compensation liability that exceeded its self-insured retention and sought reimbursement from Continental and because Reliance was insolvent also from SEGA. The two excess policies differed in how they covered cumulative injury, so it ends up the city did not have excess coverage for the entire continuous trauma period. Continental and SEGA both denied the city's claim. The city sued SEGA and Continental for reimbursement. A long line of appellate cases hold that SEGA does not have liability in a continuous trauma case where there is other insurance applicable to the claim. An employer who self-insured during any portion of a CT claim is deemed to be the equivalent to other insurance, which leaves SEGA off the hook under these decisions. SEGA claimed that because of the way the excess policies of insurance were written and the manner in which the employee filed the claim, the city had no excess coverage during a part of the CT claim and thus was fully self-insured for part of that claim. SEGA's argument was supported by the 2003 case of Denny's Incorporated versus WCAB. The city, however, argued that after the Denny decision, the California legislature enacted language in Insurance Code Section 1063.1C13 to protect a self-insured employer who purchased excess insurance from the holding in the Denny case. The Court of Appeal held that the new law only applies to a self-insured employer who has excess insurance for the entire period of a continuous trauma claim. They reasoned that SEGA does not have to provide a safety net for an employer to the extent it gambled on self-insuring without private insurance for any portion of the cumulative injury. The fact that the city did not have excess coverage for the entire CT was the pivotal fact that prevented the city from the benefits of this new law. The judgment in favor of SEGA was affirmed in a published decision. An Alameda County Superior Court judge ordered Governor Schwarzenegger to end furloughs for state workers who are paid from non-general fund accounts. This order applies to the DWC and the WCAB employees who have been furloughed. The court held that the furloughs are illegal because the governor did not comply with the mandatory requirements relating to the formation of the executive orders. The judge also ordered that the affected workers be returned to their full salaries and that they receive back pay for any lost wages. However, an appeal is expected 
from Schwarzenegger and a possible stay of the court's order pending the final outcome of the litigation. The issue is not likely to be resolved until the California Supreme Court has had a say in the matter. And now some medical news. First, the backstory. The California DWC published a chronic pain guideline that became effective July 18, 2009. It is now part of the Medical Treatment Utilization Schedule, or MTUS. The MTUS is an embellishment of the ACOM guideline, which was our starting point for evidence-based medicine. All injuries to all body parts that have a pain residual exit from appropriate ACOM chapters to the new chronic pain guideline. Thus, this guideline will be operative in a great number of cases. The pain guideline reads like an alphabetical menu of treatment options. Each option is either recommended or not recommended depending on the quality of the medical science for each of several hundred items. Treatment must now be based on high-quality, evidence-based medicine. The MTUS is presumed correct under California law. In the P section of this guideline, psychological treatment is listed and is recommended for appropriately identified patients during treatment for chronic pain. This may be hard for seasoned compensation administrators to agree with given the historical baggage that follows site claims. Yet mounting medical evidence continues to accumulate in favor of this recommendation. A new British report published in the February issue of The Lancet shows that people with chronic low back pain can benefit from cognitive behavioral therapy. Researchers from the University of Warwick enrolled 701 people with troublesome daily pain and stiffness in the back and buttocks. Each person was randomly assigned to receive either standard care or standard care and cognitive behavioral therapy. Experienced nurses or psychologists worked with the 468 people in the therapy group who received one individual session and six group sessions. After a year, those participating in talk therapy experienced twice the improvement of patients receiving only standard care. The percentage of patients reporting recovery was 60% in the therapy group compared to only 30% in the standard group. The benefits were lasting and cost less than half of that of other interventions such as acupuncture. And now our fraud report. A roofing contractor has been convicted of failing to provide workers' compensation insurance for an employee who injured himself in a fall from a roof. Michael Hawley purchased a work comp policy for his company, SoCal Roofing, and reported that he had no employees. He paid his workers in cash and submitted inaccurate payroll reports to hide their employment. One of his employees fell from a roof and filed a claim. Holly denied that the man worked for him, resulting in a denial of benefits. Holly pleaded guilty to 16 felony counts related to perjury, filing a false document, and making false statements. He is expected to be sentenced to three years in state prison at his June 25th sentencing. 
The maximum sentence for the convictions is 21 years and eight months in prison, but Hawley has the benefits of a plea bargain. California Attorney General Edmund Brown filed a lawsuit against Livermore-based Country Builders Incorporated for cheating workers out of wages, falsifying the company's payroll records, and deliberately misclassifying workers to reduce the company's comp premiums. In late 2008, Brown's office launched an investigation into Country Builders, which resulted in this suit being filed. Country Builders allegedly misclassified workers to its insurance carrier. The investigation found that Country Builders underpaid its premiums to the state compensation insurance fund by at least $136,000. And in regulatory developments, the DWC is proposing changes to its medical provider network and employee information regulations. A first 15-day notice of modification was distributed to interested parties and the revised regulations are posted on the DWC website. Members of the public have until March 17 to comment on the revisions. The proposed revisions include streamlined and clarified MPN application requirements and new MPN notices in both English and Spanish. The proposed regs also clarify the notice language regarding the right to pre-designate a physician. Often after regulations have been adopted, industry professionals complain about unclear language, unworkable situations, and unintended consequences of regulatory language. The best way to circumvent these after-the-fact problems is to read proposed regulatory language before it becomes law and then participate in the public input process. If you have interest in commenting about these changes, you may visit the DWC website for further information. And in some financial news, Employers Holdings Incorporated reported a decline in their net income for the full year of 2009 to $83 million, compared with $102 million income the year before. Douglas Dirks, president and CEO, was nonetheless pleased with these results. Dirks noted that the company faces pressures by higher levels of unemployment, declines in payrolls, competitive market conditions, and the impacts of disciplined underwriting. While their performance was short of their expectations, they intend to actively manage operations to improve these results. He noted the company will raise rates an additional 3% in California on March 15. AIG had to add $2.3 billion into the loss reserves of Chartis, its main property and casualty insurance business, to shore up claim reserves. That move left the unit with a $1.8 billion quarterly operating loss and contributed to AIG's quarterly net loss of $8.9 billion. The $2.3 billion reserve additions were mainly for potential claims from excess casualty and excess work comp policies the insurer sold in 2002 and prior years. Excess work comp and excess casualty insurance is known as long tail business because the cost of claims can take decades to resolve. And in other news, 
The CWCI reported that the rate of reported injuries among state and local government workers did an about-face and increased for the first time in five years. This was based on a review of work comp injury and illness data compiled by the state from OSHA 200 reports. The overall incidence rate of non-fatal work injuries and illnesses in California has dropped nearly 27% between 2002 and 2008. Results for 2008 show a continuation of the downtrend in California's overall job injury and illness rate, which fell another 6% from the rate noted for 2007. Breaking the results out by employment sector, however, the CWCI found troubling news for California's public sector employers. Taking a closer look at the data, CWCI found that the 2008 increase among state workers was due to a growing incident of more serious cases. The Institute notes that this does not bode well for local governments in California, many of which are already facing severe budget problems and have already seen big increases in their work comp losses since 2005. The CWCI also issued a new industry scorecard which provides detailed data on claims filed by restaurant workers. Total medical and indemnity benefit payments on these claims amounted to just under $1.1 billion. The study shows that restaurant workers accounted for 6% of all California job injury claims, but only 4% of the state's work comp benefit payments. The number one injury diagnosis for restaurant workers is a minor wound to the skin. These claims tend to be relatively inexpensive cases in which the worker is treated quickly and returns to work with no lost time. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us, and please visit us again next week for more news.